edition and I am Paul Spore. Joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going, man? I am here with arms wide open because I hear <laughs> you're going to see Creed tonight. <laughs> not that Creed. Damn it. I don't think you need your arms wide open. That's not the Creed I'm going to see tonight. I am going to see Creed. And uh, it is a little jarring. Listen, I laughed when you when you made that same mistake, but I've done it. I've been reading tweets, and you'll read them. And Creed was excellent. I'm so glad I saw it. I'm like, wait, what? What? You know, you you just see it, and you instantly think of the the crappy band. You don't think of the movie yet, but you got to think of the movie. Blocked be- and unfollowed anybody who likes Creed. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, the the group. Exactly. That's my problem with the movies. I don't go to the movies. I usually the last movie that I saw that was around its release time was Trainwrecked. Uh, oh, but I I, so- I just hate people in the theaters, <laughs> so I prefer to wait. So <laughs> prefer to wait so I can get plenty of arm space. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a time. I'll go see that when I'm on when I'm on break at the end of December. In Austin, we have the Almo Draft House, and I I don't know if it originated here. I think it did. I know it's. Uh, around the country now, mm-hmm. and and six or seven of them here in Austin, and they're they're better. They're they're kind of those dinner those dinner movie theaters where uh, you know you get you get the food and drink, not your standard popcorn and and nachos and cheese garbage. It's it's just way better than your 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 Regal Cinema, your Tinseltown or whatever. Yes, we don't go to those theaters anymore. I'm I'm snooty about my theater now, so I don't have as much <laughs> of an issue with it because I, I don't I don't like the commenters who frequent the uh, the Tinseltown either. So I I try to only go to Alamo Draft House where I can snootily eat my my gourmet uh, food and and enjoy. You know I don't I don't enjoy the gourmet beer anymore, but they do have some some solid beer options as well. So yeah, I'm not going to the to the Nobody Theater, and I'm not going to see Creed the band. For clarification, I'm going to see Creed the movie in a dope theater. It's gonna be great. But we are here to talk baseball, Jason, and the the hot stove gods left us a little treat this morning, a nice little Christmas present to open up for us to to do the pod. And so we'll start with that. We got to start with Jordan Zimmerman signing with my beloved Detroit Tigers. Uh, it was you know rumored last night that there was some talk. It seems you know, and and even though they have a new GM, the Tigers do. Al Avila has replaced mm-hmm. Dave Dombrowski. It's still kind of the same situation. Al Avila was under Dave Dombrowski, so right. it's the same kind of team. So. They usually move quickly, and I'm, I, I feel like whenever they're rumored with a name, they move quickly on that guy soon. I'm pretty surprised they don't have Joaquin Soria yet. I, I don't know if uh, K-Rod negates that or not, but you know they, they were talking Soria, Soria, Soria. I thought he'd be signed. Well, they talked Zimmerman one night. The very next morning, they're talking about a five-year, $110 million deal. What did you think of this move when you saw it, both from the contract itself and the team fit? We nearly nailed it. If we go back to last week's podcast, I believe you said, oh, I would love him for my Detroit Tigers. And you asked me what it was going to cost to get him. And I said, five, one oh five. Boom. So we were close. So the five year deal, you know, when you look at a guy, he's not an ace. He's a solid number two. Yep. You know, we talked about it, talked about his numbers last week, looking at it. You know, the strikeout rate is, was down last year, had gopheritis in the second half of last year. Velocity was down. So and that's and that's why he's on a five year deal. If it had been if this would have been this time last year, Zimmerman gets sixth and maybe like a seventh Seven, option. Yeah. I agree. You know, like something like that. But coming off the way he finished, five one oh five, that that's not you know, you would you would think that he and his agent, I believe he's a Boris client because Hanan was the one who broke the news. Uh, you would you would have thought that he'd want to be out there on the open market, but you cannot turn down five one ten. That's just they have this twenty one million dollar or twenty two million dollars oh, yeah. a year. No, I totally you agree. Take it. 
I you take it and run. You don't try to play the open market because we've, we've seen guys, you know, the James Shields lesson. If you were to believe some of the offers Shields initially had out there and then what he ended up with from the Padres, and, and there's your worst-case scenario that's as well. It's, it, it's Zimmerman becoming what Shields has become with the Padres right now. So that's your worst-case scenario. You take it, you jump. Good for your Detroit Tigers. They finish in the bottom 10, so no pick to give up. Uh, it sucks Second for the round. Nationals in no, that regard. No well, yeah, you know what I mean, but not the close. high pick. Yeah, not, not the great pick. Yeah, not the great pick. Uh, so along those lines, so I, I like the I like it. We, we liked it last week. The terms and dollars we agreed on last week. I, I like it. Yeah, I think it's a solid move. You know that six years was being rumored. It's what uh, Dave Cameron projected in his piece where he was concerned about Zimmerman uh, as as one of the bigger free agent landmines. I think because of that sixth year, and it is just one year, but it, it makes a difference. And you know, honestly, I'd have been even fine fine with four and ninety. Uh, you know, pump the AAV up a bit, try to get those years down. Obviously, they weren't going to get that. It was going to be probably a five-year deal was the baseline. But uh, I'm pretty happy with it overall as a Tigers fan. You know, I, I think the inclination right now is to judge him pretty sternly off of his 2015 right. and, and point out that his 2014 is not coming back. I agree that his 2014 is likely the high watermark of his career. But look what he did from 2011 to 2013. And it says that 2015 isn't necessarily his new watermark either. So I expect him to improve a bit, get back toward his career marks, be a, be a mid-threes kind of guy who, who can give you 195-plus innings. I do worry a little bit that he's out of his Tommy John honeymoon, which is you know the five-year window after you have it, where the, the right. ligament is stronger uh, or believed to be. And then it kind of goes back to normal, which leaves you susceptible to a second uh, Tommy John. But overall... I like it. I didn't think the Tigers were going to go that high in the market. I thought they were going to go for more of like a uh, Mike Leak, Ian Kennedy, Wei Yin Chen, two out of those three kind of Scott Kazmir type uh, mm-hmm. level. But Zimmerman, that's a nice start. I think they'll they'll now dip deeper than that second level for their uh, fourth or fifth starter type that they're going to have for this year. And then they still have to fix the bullpen. But I like it for the Tigers, and I like it for Zimmerman as well. There's nothing wrong with five and one ten. Yeah, a couple of notes. A couple of notes with him, though. Uh, one thing is, you know, the ground ball rate that he had in 2013 when he was close to 48 percent. If he were back to that and could enjoy the Iglesias Kinsler defense up the middle, that would be nice. But he's more of a fly ball pitcher now, and, and it's what we saw in the second half last year when he was giving up the home runs that he had never. I mean, uh, the 11 11 percent home run to fly ball ratio is the high water mark for him in a full season. I mean, and that's usually that's just above the league average, and that's his high water mark. But the second point I want to bring up was something I saw you on Twitter with a few other guys about people comparing the Tigers to the Phillies yes. because of how much money is tied into the front. What six or seven guys on 125 million tied into like six players with them, and five of those guys are on the are, are well into their 30s. Sure. I mean that's a that, it's that's a, it's a really, you're forcing it because you're you're then you're trying to say that's the that, thing it's, it's that Ryan Howard was ever at the same plateau that Miguel Cabrera was at and I don't I don't buy that for a heartbeat uh, for a second exactly no I that, that I I'm obviously admittedly a, a bit more defensive about it being that I'm a Tigers fan I'll freely admit that up front but I just don't see it being a very strong parallel once you really start to look into it because the Tigers lineup is much younger than the Phillies lineup was at that point. There are pieces that, that 
can be there for a future. You know, J.D. Martinez is, is far from old. Uh, mm-hmm. Jose Iglesias, you already mentioned him up the middle. If, he, if his bat is, is, is all right, Castellanos is young. We'll see what the situation is with somebody like an Anthony Goes, if he needs to develop more, if he just kind of is what he is. Um, but, yeah, you know, you got he the, is what he is, but they got Maven, too. They don't have to force it. Exactly. You have, the, have, you have the DH. You have the DH, and you only have Martinez for one more year. Then, you, you know, you've got some flexibility, whereas you had to play Ryan Howard in the field and he was killing you uh you know the defensive value so the, uh, i don't I've, I've seen it and I'm, I'm with you obviously i don't care about the tigers but i i think that's a really forced comparison by people I, i've been on record saying i'm concerned about the amount of money they have tied into so few players totally agree but it's not like there. all of these guys are completely locked into multi-year deals totally agree there uh, with regards to to the money that they're locking up. I see where people are trying to go with it. I just feel like any under any measure of scrutiny, it really starts to break down as a comparison. And uh, I certainly don't see the Tigers in nearly as dire of a situation. The, the David Price move alone uh, really helps them get out of that same kind of situation. But we'll see what they can do. They need to rebuild on a, on a terrible season. Obviously, they were a last-place team. It really fell apart. Obviously, they sold some pieces off. But they need to see what they can do to get back to the levels that they were at. That division is not going to be easy. Obviously, we know now that KC is not going anywhere. I, I would not be surprised if we were – we being the baseball community and us specifically were just a year early on Cleveland and Chicago. I could definitely see yeah. at least one of them. I, uh, Cleveland would be my easier bet uh, to make out of those two, but I wouldn't then be I'd surprised. Like to correct myself. I'd like to correct myself. Martinez is tied into multiple years, and it's not just next year. I mean he's tied through 2018, so yeah, I, was, I forgot about extension. Year. He, he but still, I mean, it's, they're committed to $127 million right now before anything else, according to baseball reference, 111 and then 92 and then 64. So it's not like if this isn't terrible. No. That fact is you're still paying Verlander $28 million a year. And if he comes back like he did in the second half of last year, then we're cool. You know, that's not a problem. And, and what, uh, what, you know, what's Kinsler, Kinsler's health priced very like? well. Kinsler's priced well. Sanchez, you know, he fades out. Uh, they can buy him out after the 2017 season. Martinez is going to age out as the DH. Uh, and you know, we, we know what his hitting skills are. So, again, these aren't terrible things. No, you're right. And then, like you said, after, what, 2018, they're looking at 92 mil committed. You know, listen, the Miggy and the Verlander deals – they're going to be albatrosses at some point because time never loses. And, and you're going to be paying these guys 30 and 28 mil when they're in their mid thirties and late thirties, as far as Miggy's concerned, early forties, I think even for the, uh, the final year of that deal, I get that. I totally get that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not blind to that, but to feel like this team is crippled for, for, you know, a decade of pain. I just don't see it. Even, even with the system being thin, they strengthened the it. Always been thin for them, though. Yes, and but they strengthened always. it big time with the trades uh, of Cespedes and Price. And right. you know they're going to get a high pick this year. We'll see what they can do with a top ten pick. That's going to help, especially if they're a competing team. You love adding a big prospect when your team's actually back on the rise. Just and don't we, draft a tight end. Uh, or, or or a freaking uh, SEC relief pitcher. They like they like to do that a lot too. They love relief pitchers in college. So let, let, let's not do any of that. But let's move on. Uh, we like that deal for the Tigers and for Zimmerman. It's a solid deal. Uh, so, you know, doesn't alter the market one way or the other. I don't think for the rest of the pitchers. I think keeps it. You know. Uh, high, fruitful. There's still going to be a lot of money out there for for the pitchers who are above him, and even the guys below him certainly aren't taking any sort of hit uh, as they kind of stratify with the other right. deals that come out. Let's talk about the other, the, the only other deal that we've really seen of impact since the last time you and I spoke, and that's Jay Happ 
to Toronto for three years, $36 million. So he goes back to Toronto after his big uh, stint with the with the Pirates really kind of brought him into focus for the offseason because he had a really tough year with Seattle. We expected more out of him out there, and he just gave up way too many hits and homers in Seattle of all places. Uh, mm-hmm. We thought getting out of Toronto was going to help that. It didn't. It took finally getting to Pittsburgh for him to really click, and then he put up 11 starts of excellence, 185 ERA, 103 whip, uh, strikeouts and walks rates to back it up everything was just in line looked great looked like another race series miracle granted not not really a miracle just another turnaround project he had a lot more to work with with hap than he'd been working with with some of these other guys that he's uh rejuvenated so this was probably an easy one for uh for searage do you think he takes any of that with him to toronto we've seen him in toronto he's back in the tough park where do you stand on hap now at three and 36 I mean, he's seen the light from Seard, so it's not like he can just look. At, he's he's seen the coaching, seen the results, and said, "Okay, now I know what I need to do." Uh, you know, the three thirty six. He was crowdsourced at three thirty three, so it passes the sniff test. Sure. Yeah, it's not like it's it's not like it's egregious. There's no profit in it, but you know, they they had to do this because you know they they did bring Estrada back, but David Price was never coming back to Toronto. I, I don't care how much he said he loved it. David Price is going to Chicago, or he's going to Boston, and that's it. I, I'll be surprised if it's any one of those um, other market than those two. But when you look at Hap, you know, when you look at the AL NL numbers for his career, he's enjoyed the NL better in terms of ERA uh, and win loss percentage, and that's to be expected, especially with the ERA. The AL was not so kind to him, uh, even though he's pitched in Toronto. It, he had trouble keeping the ball in the park, but he had trouble keeping the ball in the park in Seattle as well. Uh, what was kind of crazy, though, from what I recall of his splits, he was better at keeping the ball in the yard at home than he yes, was on the road. It was weird. Yeah. In Toronto in 2014, Toronto. he really did a good job of, of pitching well at home, but really stunk it up on the road. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where. How is that possible? Uh, but then we looked at it, like maybe that should have been our thing to say, hey, maybe Estrada can keep the ball in the yard because Jay Happ did it. Uh, and and I'm, I'm pulling up his 2014 numbers yeah, as home and away. He was great. You no, know, home, home, uh, 315 ERA. Yes, he allowed 14 home runs, but held batters to a 237 average on the road, 567 ERA, 286 batting average against. Uh, so, yeah, and that's really one of those. It's just crazy to look at that saying that's that's not what we expected, but that's what happened. So, yeah, Hap, he, he does get the strikeouts, and that's, you kind of draft him for strikeouts, and now you could draft him for run support. That's one thing he's really never had if you look back through his career. Uh, he's only pulled double digits. Yeah, the one that last year, last year, that was nice. Uh, but run support has never really been a, a good thing for him. He's never had more than 12 wins in any season. And the one season he had 12 wins, he was a reliever for a chunk of that as well. Uh, the other concern I have with him, though, is he's never pitched more than 175 innings in a season. Uh, he's not a guy that goes deep, that, that can go deep into a game. Um, and he's only been a full time starter one, two seasons, I'm three, three seasons I'm looking at. If you count the, the half a season he pitched in 2000. 10. Yeah, they for, teams seem to like uh, like giving him some relief work there. He seems to be like one of those guys that they can that they can throw in there uh, for some relief stints here and there. Earlier in his career, he had, actually was you know was a full time reliever for stints uh, as well. But yeah, you mentioned the injury piece that that is a big deal. We're talking about four or five DL stints uh, over the course of his career. I know one of them, I believe, was. He got hit with a batted ball, right? Am I remembering that wrong, or was he? Yeah, not? yeah, he did. In, in Tampa Bay, if I no, remember I'm pretty correctly. Sure. 
here's the here's the thing. Would you? I mean, I'm I'm looking at the the crowdsource offers and and Weeding Chen go you know right now 452. So you know 336 for Hap, or would you rather go with Chen? Uh, give Chen the extra year and the extra million per. No, I'm 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 always looking to give fewer years. And and while I think Chen probably has a a more tight band of what he is on the high and low end. I would rather take some chance, my chance that uh, I can get the higher end of Hap, just for the lesser, the the, the one fewer year. Uh, well, I mean, he's younger. That's well, the that's thing true. with Chen. I'm, he's I'm younger now. Uh, yeah, I, I thought they were closer in age. I actually, I kind of he's thought a they year. Were... He's actually a couple of years yes, younger. He's, he's 29, whereas whereas Hap is 32. Yes, three years difference. Okay, but similar, but similar things. I mean, when I look at these two guys, I I like Chen. I, I've been a Chen apologist uh, for a couple of years because I think you know it's a it's a limited downside to him. Yes, he's had trouble keeping the ball in the yard in in Baltimore. That's to be expected. A lefty pitcher in that yard, that's going to happen Absolutely. Uh, for him. But that's what what I like. I mean, you know, uh, Cameron wrote him up as one of the free agent bargains of the season. And when you look at it, it's a, it's a similar skill set. Uh, slightly above average strikeout rate, doesn't walk anybody, does give up home runs. Uh, but Chen is also pitched more. I mean, he's, he's had three seasons of 180 plus innings pitched Bingo. and he has made, he has made uh 31, 32, 23, 31, 31 stars over the past four years. Exactly. That kind of durability helps with the three years difference. I'm more inclined to, to do the extra year there. I, I, again, I thought they were almost dead, even in age. I kind of didn't realize that Hap was already 32 uh, going into his age 33 season. So that is enough of a difference. You know, maybe one one year of age, two years of age, probably not. That three year, that's kind of the threshold. Three and up. I'll do the extra year at that point. Um, you, you've got me convinced on that. I want to ask though, do you think that this three and thirty six, since it was higher than than the crowdsourced, does this boost uh, Chen's market? Do you think he can go higher than the crowdsourced four fifty two? Well, now it's Chen versus Casimir. If you're if you're a team looking for a left-handed starting pitcher, those are your yeah. two best options because uh, you're not. I mean. Well, Price is in his own class. Exactly, so let's, let's and, and he's doing his own thing. He's deciding. You're not deciding. Right. Price is in his own class. So, um, you know, that's your market. And I think personally, I'd rather go with Chen over Casimir. That's you know, I, I, I'm I a big, I'm a believer in, in the rebuilt Casimir. It's great that what he's done coming back from the dead. I mean, the guy was working on sets of 90210 oh my God. <laughs> when the, he the, left the, the Angels. That's what he yes, he was working on sets of doing that and he's come all the way back. Uh and, and that's nice. That said, I feel a lot safer giving Chen a four year deal than I do Casimir. If I give Casimir a four year deal, honestly, in my heart I have to expect to probably miss one of those seasons. You know, with some sort of or or maybe not a full season, but you know, get a seventy inning a fifty inning season in there, something like that, where he's gonna have a big injury. He's just had injury issues in the past and he's not huge. You know, uh, the the innings are going to start piling up. I agree with you that I believe in the, in the rejuvenated Casimir. I just put him as a bigger health risk. So at that point, I do want uh, Chen more than Casimir. So we'll see how the lefty market plays out. It's definitely uh, lost one of its bigger pieces because, again, it goes from price by himself to a, a, a group of, of more average guys. Couple notes about uh, you know things that we're seeing linked and get your thoughts on them. Uh, the Diamondbacks are apparently talking to Johnny Cueto's agent. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I seem to remember that they were kind of uh, rumored in some of the discussions during the trade negotiations. Uh, I believe you're right in July. So you know this is not the first time that we've seen these two teams or these two parties linked. I don't know how much interest there was when it came to the trade, but now that they have a chance at him just for money as opposed to prospects, how likely do you think something like this is? And what kind of fit do you think it would be for Cueto? 
mean, we talked late in the year. We, we said that Arizona was a lot better than people were giving them credit for. I agree. Yeah, that yeah. They, they had the nice tools and, and the pitching was was the next step that they needed to address. Um, even if they had to go in and overpay to get to get someone like Cueto, because they're not going to get – you know they're not going to get a price, but if you look at the crowdsourcing for Cueto six at one thirty two, it's you know twenty two million um, average annual value or the average year. You know people have it you know, five one fifteen six uh, six one thirty two somewhere in that. I think it's going to take six years to get Cueto, and frankly, if if Arizona is going to make that next step, they're going to have to they're going to have to pay that sixth year to get him. When you look at what the Dodgers can do in that division, so if they want to, they could go get a third guy if they want to uh, to go along or whatever they want to do. So I, th- I think that's what they'll have to do. The thing of it is with Arizona, they're in a great position to be able to go out and, and, and try to pay somebody big. They don't have anything on the books. You're talking about 34 mil committed right now and one mm-hmm. of the best contract, maybe the best contract in all baseball with Paul Goldschmidt's deal. He's going to make 5.9 this year, 8.9 next year, 11.1 in 2018. you got to yeah, leverage he's the new that. Longor- he's the new Longoria You're contract. damn right he is. So you, you've got to leverage that. you got some good things going on. Patrick Corbin came back and looked good. Wellington Castillo was a nice scrap heap pickup that you feel like you can finally have an answer at catcher for at least the majority of the time. Um, We're talking about arbitration situation for AJ Pollock right now. So he's still cheap. David Peralta pre-arb and, and definitely at, at the very least a strong side platoon. If you got to take him out versus lefties in the next year or two, that's fine. Uh, you know, they've got some pieces that are working. Osmani Tomas wasn't too bad and he's certainly not making uh, so much money that he has to be excellent to be valuable. So they're, you know, they're making moves. Like you said, we, we, we talked about this, that we like their team a little bit. They've got some pieces. They've got to go out and, sign somebody like this because uh you don't you don't want to deplete the system to get this if you're if you're trying to get that frontline guy I, i'm okay trying to pay for him and i agree with mm-hmm. you i think it will take the sixth year with somebody like cueto he knows kind of the fragility that he has it's probably going to be closer to the zimmerman crowdsourced number uh with the six years for cueto but i think this could happen i, I don't think the d-backs you know usually i think when we see d-backs associated with a top name to kind of slough it off like, oh, they're not going to really try to get that. But I think they really are. I think they're going to go hard for some for some big moves this year and add some money because they have so little uh, in their commitments right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got Cueto at all. They don't have a single pitcher committed to a long-term contract. Everybody they have, Which the is only good, guy by that's the committed, way. yeah, nobody. I mean, it, and you look at that depth chart, you're like, yeah, they sorely need something. Even if they were to make a deal out of their outfield depth with uh, Inciarte and Peralta, Pollock, Tomas, you know, you mentioned, you know, obviously without a DH, they need to make a move uh, to free up someone. And uh, you know, this makes too much sense. They may have to get a second starting pitcher, but if you blow it all in Cueto, then you go cheap at the back end just to get somebody that can chew you up some innings. Exactly. And then, you know, they're still kind of working on some guys' development, like a Ruby De La Rosa, Robbie Ray, Archie Bradley. If just one of them pops, all of a sudden you're talking Cueto, Corbin, and, and whichever of those three pops and, and kind of reaches their peak, that's a nice one, two, three. And, and probably the other two can be a four, five at the very least. Um, you know, when you're talking about those three guys, they still have Chase Anderson who can be a viable five. I think Daniel Hudson, if they can't go out and get a closer, they've been chasing closers a lot too. We see them always rumored when, when they talk about a world Chapman, the Diamondbacks seem to be right there front and center as well. But if not, I think Daniel Hudson can be a closing option for them uh, going forward as well. So we'll see how that goes with Arizona. I think they could be big players this year. Maybe not quite as crazy as like what the Padres did last year, but surprising big players. Mm-hmm. 
the Mets right now say their number one target is Ben Zobrist. Uh, this, you know, I, I, again, I feel like this is kind of carryover from July. They, they were in the rumored market for him when he was being traded. Uh, obviously, it didn't come to fruition. He went to the Royals. Uh, but this seems like a good fit for them. Uh, Daniel Murphy, uh, no chance – or not no chance, but I don't think he's coming back. You get a kind of a better version of it with Ben Zobrist, right, somebody who can actually play the field uh, and isn't just a utility man because he doesn't have a defensive position. But right. I think what some folks forget – you know, when they think about Ben Zobris, if they're not intimately familiar with him, like you are, having followed him for so long with Tampa Bay, is that he's going to be 35 next year. So while he is aging nicely, uh, very nicely, in fact, uh, a, one, a 112 or better, ranging from 112 to 137 on his OPS plus since age 30. Uh, so for the last five seasons, age 30 through 34. So that's that's really nice, graceful aging. But what do you expect out of him in terms of a deal? And how do you see a Zobrist Mets fit if it were to come to fruition? I mean, the, the issue with him is that he played so you know every day in Tampa Bay on turf. Yes, they have the dirt infield, but, you know, with the shifts and then he was playing outfield too a lot every single day play on turf. And I think that, that, at the, you know, that knee issue that caught up with him last year that he went on the DL uh, with for a little bit last year, you know, that, that was a, uh, a side effect of that. I think it finally caught up with him. We've talked about the middle, uh, the curve, the aging curve for middle infielders being uh, early and, and, Zobrist is definitely within that aging curve. He's on the downside of it. No doubt. And we've seen it. The stolen base total has, has declined each of the past six seasons, and, and he's not going to run anymore. But he still he controls the strike zone extremely well. He can take his walks. He's a high-contact hitter. Uh, he's going to score runs because while he's lost a step, and you can see if you've, you know, having watched him play every day, I saw it in 2014, that step started uh, going away uh, with him. He's still a very good base runner. So he can go first to third on singles, second to home on, on you know, singles uh, ground balls through the left side of the infield you know those kind of things he's, he's excellent at doing that so he, if you put him on top of that Mets lineup let him hit the second shoot let him hit first I don't care yeah that's something that could really work out well for him he's, he should be able to play to you know, 80 last year he did 76 runs in part time you know he missed a, a chunk of time 100 yeah, advance that he usually had games. so I think you know he's 85 80 80, 85 runs. He could still hit double-digit home runs. He's not going to drive in that many runs at the top of the lineup. Uh, and batting average-wise, he just he's consistent. If you look at the last five years, 269, 276, just because of the amount of contact um, that he can make and that he's a, a switch hitter that can spray the ball. He's, he's not a dead pull hitter. He is kind of from the right side. When he does hit from the right side, he does tend to be a, more of a pull hitter uh, from that way. But yeah, I really have a tough time seeing him get a guaranteed fourth year, but he might get it because of the open market value. Uh, I think every, all 30 teams out there could make the case about wanting a Ben Zobrist. That's, that's the, the beauty of his positional yes. flexibility and, the, and his skill set. Every, every team could make the case like, yeah, I would love to have this guy. Um, you know, that's, that may help him get that fourth year uh, in that aspect. But I'm, you know, if, if he's coming to my team, I don't want to give him that fourth year. I'd rather do three years. And if, if he wants to get above three, you know, 345, 350, I'm out. Yeah, I, I would rather I would rather do something like that than go the four years again. I kind of mentioned. <laughs> 
that already uh, with pitchers, but also with, with with somebody older. You know, again, it, it's obvious though. You'd rather you're talking pay more you know, money from than 2011. A six was six win, six win, five win, six win player last year was two because his defensive value took a hit because of the knee issue. Uh, you know, he really was playing on one leg, and then when he came back, he, he just he didn't look the same in the field. So his defensive value took a tank, which is why his overall uh, wins above replacement uh, fell in the toilet. But it's it's a guy who's criminally underrated. I, I don't even know how when his career is finally over, people are going to look back and be like, damn, you know, he's going to end up, he's going to drop off the Hall of Fame ballot in the first one, sure. but he doesn't deserve to because it may be, maybe maybe uh, when he retires in three years, let's say eight years from now, let's say he retires in three years, eight years from now, I think our voting population will be a little stronger, so he'll get more respect than he should, but he kind of feels like this generation's Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell. Ooh. That's interesting because a lot of people have those two guys in. So you're saying that he's closer. Obviously, we'd have to see how he finishes up his finish finishes up his career uh, for Zobrist. I don't know if he's quite as esteemed as as the best double play combo in the history of the world. No bias, no bias whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I didn't grow up watching that. That's not th- th- those well. You two- just you just don't have those guys to stay with the same team anymore. That's but I'm true. Just, when you look at you know, again, how many guys can you count that have that many? One, two, three, four, five. Five seasons above five plus wins. It really is fantastic what he's done, and and again, at his position, you know, as a second baseman, there just aren't that many guys doing that. Exactly, and and a, again, a utility player who who truly fits that because he can go out and play all those positions, not because they were searching for a position for him, which is you know, th- those are the two sides of utility men: guys who they got to bounce around because God, you suck at all of these positions, or guys that are so good. That, hey, we can really put you anywhere. It's fantastic. I'm very interested to see where Zobris goes. I agree with you. The market is wide open because every team can justify it and that position flexibility. Well, we could play him here. And then Team B says, well, I, you know, we could play him here even though we don't have a need at his primary position, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see how that one plays out. Now let's talk about two guys whose stock is is really in the tank right now. Uh, one just because of performance, and the other because of maybe some off the field situations that uh, are not reflecting well on him at all. We'll start with Hanley Ramirez in Boston, and again, his issue right now is is health and and underperformance. The first year of that deal with Boston went awry. It looked like a, a amazing to start, and I'm still pinning most of it on running into the wall at Fenway. It it. it it's easy because it's accurate, I think. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. an easy cutoff to use, but it's also really accurate. He smashed as hard as he could into a you know, brick wall with a little bit of padding and then went in the tank offensively. Gee, I wonder how related those are. So if he can get healthy, sure, there's still, there's still a bat there, but we're going to be 32 next year, Hanley is. And now talking about a move to first base, the, the Red Sox are trying to move him. Who do you think's buying? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the reaction, the laugh. I mean, when you look at the the money for him, he's due twenty two and uh, twenty two seven five over each of the next three seasons, guaranteed with a twenty two million dollar vesting option at uh, age thirty five. So if he plays best? every day, if he plays every day, you, you would think that's I don't know what the vesting term is. It doesn't say when I'm looking at, at okay. BREF, but you would have to figure if he plays if he plays one hundred and forty plus games a season. Uh, over those three, they hit, that's going to vest. So you're talking about a guy basically do $88 million um, over the next four years. And who's I mean, that that right there limits where he's going to go because, he, you know, there's only so, there's only so much defense he's going to be able to play. Exactly. Uh, and that's that's kind of where where things go with him. You know, he, he's going to have to be a corner outfielder at this point. The defensive value was it was never his strong suit. What about his uh, first base? career yeah (laughs) 
was never a strong suit. So I mean, it really limits his. If you think about it, you know, last time the, the last time the Red Sox had a deal that they automatically regretted when they signed Carl Crawford, they sent him to the Dodgers. You know, are the Dodgers going to take him back? Oh Doubtful. God, no, no. I mean, all right, how about this? Segway. Hanley for Yasiel Puig. Okay, well, let's talk about Yasiel Puig. <laughs> and is that something that, you know, given the troubles that, uh, and, and this isn't Dombrowski himself, and now he has to deal with it, kind of given the, the troubles that are are swirling the acquisitions of Hanley and Pablo Sandoval, neither that really worked out, does he really want to go get another problem? And this, again, this problem is a lot different than the other two guys who just aren't performing on the field. Yasiel Puig uh, got in some trouble off the field. Now, we don't really know what it is right now. The original report suggested that in the midst of a bar brawl, he harmed his own sister. I initially heard punch, uh, and then I and then I saw push. So I I don't know. But either way, you know, laying hands on on a woman and and his sister, you know, what are you doing? But now police are saying that didn't happen, and and right now the case is closed. Uh, Again, from what I've read as recently as this morning um, on this Puig bar brawl situation, I believe it was out in Miami. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, the MLB is going to take a look at this, and they can determine their own action with regards to what might happen to him. But you've also got a guy who didn't play well in the field last year. He was hurt. Um, and only played 79 games, wasn't all that great when he did play. Molly Knight's book came out, Best Team Money Can Buy, did not reflect very well on Puig in terms of how teams like, uh, how the teammates like him. I believe there was an, a dust-up with Grinky. Then we had Andy Van Slyke running his flapper the other day, basically saying that Kershaw hates him, and uh, Andy Van Slyke's son plays on the team, so it does give some legitimacy to sure. that. This is all, the, all this is swirling around, and now it finally gives L.A. a reason other than simply showiness on the field to try to deal him because it, it was hard to, you know, you can't deal a player who's playing like he did in 2014 just because he, he hot dogs some things. Uh, but now they have a reason. Do you think they try to take that reason and, and move him as quickly as possible? Um, it would be, you know, they definitely have the assurance to do this, to say, okay, this is the reason why we're doing it. But you never, you know, knowing Friedman, he never likes to trade somebody on the, with the value being down, down. Yeah. And the down slope. Yeah. And I mean, he's not totally in charge of everything, but, uh, that's kind of where I am. When you look at a guy, especially he's only due $25 million up total over the, over the next three years. He's going to be 25 so, next year. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's not like, it's a really tough guy to give up on, even with all of that, that you just said, uh, but so if you if we were to go back to the Hanley for uh, Puig thing, how much money would Boston, you know, how much money would they have to eat in order? They're going to have to eat two some of that. But that, I'm just trying least. to spitball. You've got two. You have t- two teams that are ha- on, that have toxic assets that they view as toxic assets mm-hmm. that everybody else views as toxic asset. You know, do you make a swap and, and let's say you're going to eat the money or grow from there? Yeah, it, it would never happen because it's interdivision. But getting back to Hanley, I mean, if if. If Baltimore loses out on Chris Davis and doesn't bring him back, their their committed salary right now is really low. Really low. I mean, it's it's Adam Jones, Yobaldo Jimenez, and JJ Hardy. I mean, those are their committed those are their committed guys after this season. With Hanley, it seems to come down to, you know, can you get a look at the medicals, see what the shoulder looks like and what you think he's gonna do in terms of holding up there because Again, he was actually crushing the ball and looked great before everything happened. He was really right. sharp in 2014. Yeah, early on, great. You know, every, you know, and then had that amazing 86 games in 2013. So his offensive track record is there. Meanwhile, again, Puig coming off of a, a down season, he was still above average, though. I, I, I would, I would 
without the money involved, I would try to find a way to get either of these guys on a team. But obviously, the money is what is the difference maker. Which Who do you makes draft first? Puig still for me. Um, I still think there's plenty of potential there. I actually do think that they'll find a way to move him, but they'll get they'll get a big return. I don't think they're gonna have to sell him super low. You know, maybe if something comes out with regard to that off the field incident that Brawlin, you know, if he did uh, physically abuse somebody, uh, his sister or not, then that's gonna that's gonna change things. But uh, like I said, right now it's looking like they're moving on. It was exacerbated reports. We'll see what happens. I, um, I still Puig's think Puig's still a top 100 guy for you. Oh, man, I don't know. He's been going kind of in the fifth round. I think that's where he went in that draft that I did. So that says yes. Yeah, I he think so. One, two, three, four, five. He went at the top of the sixth round. In your draft, and that's a 10-team or a 12-team? Correct. It's a Nando. It's a 12-team. He went in the top of the sixth round. So, I mean – that's so saying wants, yes. He, these, these these drafts that that we that you're in and I was in, they're saying top 75 area, and uh, you know I, again I still gonna get you went to before a, Jason Hayward. Well, I, I've got a pretty big Hayward crush, so I probably wouldn't wouldn't do that necessarily. Um, but you know I think I'm I think I'm probably gonna be a little bit higher on him than most. You know, there's a lot out there that have quit him. They're just done. You know, there are people in fantasy baseball who, you know, not only they don't like the the flamboyant attitude either, so they're gonna they're gonna you know take that out on him in their fantasy leagues. Okay, great, don't draft him more for me. That's fine. I'm still gonna bet on this profile here. The hitting is still uh, immense. There's there's a ton of talent here. I feel if he gets everything situated with regard to you know a, a peaceful teammate situation and gets his head on straight a little bit straighter. I still think there's uh, MVP level kind of stuff for for Puig. So yeah, I am drafting so, him before. Okay, so that stinking Canadian, Hanley, uh, Fred Zinke, took Hanley <laughs> Ramirez towards the end of the seventh round, um, just after Corey Schwartz took Jacoby Ellsbury. Uh, so who do I like better with the two, rounds? Yeah, those two. Which one do you like? And B, are you comfortable taking either one of those guys in the back half of the seventh round, which would be uh, round pick eighty? See if I can get Puig down there. I'm I'm way more comfortable with it. Honestly, between the two, I I would have expected a little bit more separation. I, that's that's and I understand it. That's giving that's giving Hanley some good credit for what he's done with the bat prior to this year and acknowledging that the shoulder was probably the big reason. I just don't know how likely it is that that shoulder gets healthy. Maybe if I knew more on that, I could have a little bit more confidence in Hanley. So I do have reservations. I think I'm going Puig right now pretty easily with the, I think the age piece is, is the easiest way to justify that. Hanley has had injuries in his past and we just don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, he will be out. They will both be outfielders uh, outfield only next year. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go Puig. Are you going to Puig or Hanley? If, if, if their costs are even. Puig went 61, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I got my math right. So he went with the first pick of the sixth round, so 12 times 5 is 60 plus 161. Uh, yeah, so I got that right. And then, uh, you know, looking at the where the uh, Ellsbury and Hanley went, they went after pick 75, and frankly, after pick 75, I don't care. I, you know, the difference between 76 and 100 is, is not that much. That's uh, true. Especially when you're talking, you're talking about this skill set. Uh, then again, Ellsbury once again went two full rounds ahead of Brett Gardner, who I took later in the draft. 
Brett Gardner. You can't quit him, by the way. That's, I cannot quit him. He's, he's, he is the uh, subject of my next uh, Collect Calls column at Rotowire this week, by the way. Speaking of Collect Calls, we're going to make some Collect Calls on this on this, uh, on this this podcast here. Again, that is the name of your, your Rotowire column, so we're, we're biting that for this. But uh, I previewed this last week. I said we're going to give you some free agents over the next couple weeks, maybe three to five each week, and, and have you try to – pinpoint where they're going to go. I feel like you have a good handle on team fits and annual uh, annual value fits. You're pretty good. You say sometimes that you struggle with the total dollars, and I get that. I'm not good at it at all. That's why I'm making you do all the work. So we got three guys here today, three very interesting free agents, going to get you to place them. And you can give backup teams if you're not super confident in your one call. But let's start hot at the high end here with, uh, with Justin Upton. Um, Again, kind of like Hanley, although there wasn't an injury behind it, got off to that excellent start, you know, and he kind of always does. Upton seems to always have, you know, a hot April or a hot May and just yep. really be on that MVP track and then just kind of be solid the rest of the year. Nothing, you know, not horrible, but just kind of, hey, that was good. And then he winds up with a, a, another upper 20s homers. Uh, homers or the runs batted in and, and scored kind of depend on his team. He can be in the 90s uh, down to the 80s, only 70 ribbies in 2013 with that Atlanta club. And then this year he spiked his stolen bases back up, which just exhibit 5 billion that you we don't know anything about stolen bases. They're a choice because he was at 20, 18, 21, 18, and then 8-8, eight, eight, both full seasons, by the way, with Atlanta. They just stopped him. First year in San Diego, spikes back up to 19. So the speed isn't gone uh, like we probably thought it was coming into the year. It just wasn't being utilized. So, you know, all in all, really good season, but not his best. In, in fact, his, his three-year worst to go into his walk year. Where do you think Justin Upton goes? All right, so – when you look at the crowdsourcing, people say six one twenty. And when you look at uh, MLB trade rumors, they have seven one forty seven, uh, and they have them down to the Nationals. Now, my problem with that is Justin Upton is a corner outfielder. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jason Worth is still owed forty two million dollars by the Nationals. He's not going anywhere. And that guy in right field, Bryce something. Bruce. Um, Bruce. Bruce. Bruce uh, Hutton. Horper. Uh, some, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. So you then, you know, that kind of thing, if you're going to trade, if you're, if you're going to put Upton on the nationals because he's from Virginia and he wants to play closer to home, you know, that kind of thing then you have to move worth. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe is Upton a, is Upton a Boris guy? No, he's a, not a, a the, the Reynolds, he's a Reynolds sports guy. Okay. Um, so, but you've got to, you've got to move worth out of that deal. So I don't buy that. And I also don't buy because he's 27 turning 28 I personally, frankly, I don't want him to, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be the team that has to give him seven years because again, it, it we, which Upton are you going to get? I think, uh, six, one twenty-five is what he's going to end up getting. Um, and probably Baltimore would, be a, say, would be a better fit because exactly again, they have a say. lot of money coming off the books. I, I think that could be somewhere again, if you lose, if you're not able to bring back Chris Davis and you know, why, why, let Davis go. Get younger. Yes. Get somebody that you can use in a couple of and, places. And fill a, your committed a payroll. Need. Your committed payroll is fifty-eight million dollars, and that's an Adam Jones, Abaldo Jimenez, J.J. Hardy, and Matt Weeders who got the one-year qualifying offer. That's it. The rest of their the rest of their roster is in flux. You look at uh, you know 
Nolan Reimold, if that's one of the guys oh, no, that's like, free for them. Right but, now, you know, that's, that's, they have four guys on committed payroll. I mean, Upton would be an ideal fit for this team. I, I, rather than go Chris Davis, because Chris Davis is going to get this money. Probably, he'll, he'll probably get just a little bit uh, just under that. But I'd rather, I'd rather give the money to Upton. I feel like they could get both. You're talking about how low their commitments are. They... <clears throat> How much are they willing to spend? Roster resource, yeah, that does matter. But roster resource has LJ Hose and Henry, Henry Yerudia in, in the outfield right now along Reserves. with Adam Jones. And that's, <laughs> you know, he's got them starting, uh, yeah. roster resource does. So, and, and Christian Walker at first base. So they have the the needs. Maybe you could sign both and, and, and keep keep your one guy and bring in the other big guy and get back to that big offense that they had in 2014 that carried them um, into a nice playoff run. So I like that, though. I like that fit. If he does want to go back to that area, I totally agree with you that Baltimore is a way better fit than Washington would be. So put me down for 6-125. All right, 6-125 with your top team being Baltimore. All right, now is the guy that you you, you mentioned, the aforementioned Chris Davis. I'm, I'm very curious about where he can go. I think the name, the team that we've seen most rumored so far in the early going has been St. Louis. They've got a big need there. Matt Adams, even if he does come back healthy, you know, doesn't have to be a full-time option anyway. Also somebody they could probably move. Um, Davis does have some flexibility. You know, I, you're not going to be trying to suit him up at third full-time or anything like that, but right field and uh and first base he does have two spots so where do you think chris davis is going to wind up i mean we've talked about guys that we know that we we can put in the bank to hit 40 home runs guaranteed uh and he is very he's one of the few names on that short list uh and you look at you know the 2014 season was abysmal but you look at what he was able to do last year and, and it was even uh, in some cases better than where he was in, in 2013 uh for a time because a lot of uh, his damage came real early in that season but you look at overall uh, how he finished you know you know what he is uh and the problem is he's gotten he, he looks a little better defensively in the field but he's still a liability there so if he goes to the cardinals uh, it would make a lot of sense for that team if you want matt carpenter going back to the slash and dash version and not trying to hit the home runs if you told matt carpenter go back to the 2014 version please and then you put davis in this lineup it could be really scary uh, and because of the power it's going to it's going to pay in the open market um the problem is because he could age like Ryan Howard. I don't want him to give it. I wouldn't, I don't want to give him six years. Oh, I want to, I want to give him, I want to give him like Zimmerman money, like five, one, 10. I don't want to give him that sixth year because it's not going to age well. Uh, but mo- no free agent contract does, but I'm going to, I'm put me down for five, one, 10. Um, you know, St. Louis, if he does, if he doesn't go back to Baltimore, then St. Louis. Okay, so stay. But that, in Baltimore. that that kind of money that kind of money should not uh, deter Baltimore from trying to bring him back. I totally agree. Again, they can, with the commitments that they had that you pointed out, they can afford, I think, to go Upton Davis. And again, Upton's not old. I think he's going to be. He's twenty eight. Turns twenty eight. Uh, Chris Davis, Davis is a little bit older. 30, 30. Right. But, towards the end of spring training. But that's so all again, right. if if St. Louis goes, we'll give you six years. You let him walk. I agree. I agree on the on the six year piece. Okay, the last guy a little bit lower down, but still a high quality player. One of these guys who you know the signing could happen and and nobody really make you know we don't go too crazy over it, and then he could have a spike season, uh, you know where he hits. 310 or something and ends up being kind of a game changer. He's a little bit older, uh, age 32, Howie Kendrick at second base. He kind of is what he is. Like I said, you're probably just going to get what he's been. Very consistent guy, but, uh, there, there, there is some spike potential just because of the skill set that he's displayed. 
everything could break right and and you get some upside that uh, comes in the batting average. But for the most part, you're probably going to get uh, low double-digit home runs at best, uh, decent RBIs and runs because he'll be up near the top of the lineup. Handful of bags, you know, he's done he's done either 14 or six in each of the last six years. 14, 14, 14, six. 14 and six. So who knows where the stolen bases are going to be, but the average is there. The OPS is right around that 750 kind of range, give or take a little. That kind of is what he is. Looks like a quality hitter who should age well, but 32 year old second baseman, where are you putting him? By the way, he is the oldest 32-year-old second baseman. I honestly thought he was 35. I thought he and Ben Zobers were the same age. That's hilarious. That's well, he's been around, he's been around baseball. That's he's been around since 2006. Yes. Uh, and you know that batting title never did come along. No, and he it only didn't, hit. He never. So he only hit 300 uh, twice in his career. But you know, the, if you go back and look at the the talk with him about where he was to uh, when he came up as a prospect, everybody's like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Um, but, and he but, has but been a high contact. Pan out. I mean, no, right? this yeah, this, this isn't terrible, but this still pans out. It's just not at the the high level. Was three time batting batting champ. You know, puts up a 350 at some point maybe even develops and, and sustains mid-teens power. Well, right. he didn't quite do that, but this this outcome has still been pretty darn good. It has been, but uh, getting in all seriousness, when you look at – you know, when you look at where this could possibly go, it, it's really tough not to imagine him on the Chicago White Sox. That's a because I mean, you look at their second base. They opened the season with Micah Johnson last year. Yes, uh, and and that 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 spring training fund lasted about three weeks, it didn't I, I believe, uh, and it did not work well. Uh, their depth chart is really shallow. When you look at you know second base. Uh, for them, Micah Johnson, uh, aforementioned, you try to go down to the minor leagues. There's really nothing there. Um, and so this seems like a really good fit for them. Uh, you know, a high a guy that makes a lot of contact, doesn't take a lot of walks. They're used to that. They've had Alexi Ramirez for a few years, so they understand what that's like. But they need a second baseman here. And, and, and I don't think I don't think they get the Zobers play. Uh, just personally, I don't see Zobers going to Chicago, um, but maybe they could get Kendrick and say, hey, here's four fifty. OK, four years, 50 million dollars. Come play second base for us. They have to come out of this with either make a trade or sign a second base when they can't keep looking at that position and saying, oh, we'll find somebody to play it because it's been a joke for them. And the White Sox team should have been better last year I um, than it was. And I think getting a guy like Kendrick would make them better. So four fifty to the White Sox. Yes. All right. I think that's where uh, that's pretty similar to what uh, MLB trade rumors had. So we'll oh, see. Now that I now that I pull up the page, you're exactly right. He that's, says 450. Screw that. I'm not going to say the same thing. Okay. I'm not going to say. It. I'll say the White Sox, but now I've got to I've got to factor in. I'm going to say. Uh, Give him one. Four 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 forty eight. Okay. So you go a little bit. I can't lower. say the exact same thing as somebody else. I just pulled up the page <laughs> you said that. I'm like, oh shit. No, it's. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it's a great fit though. I think I think it's the. the that's right. what I think a second base. I mean. It, Maybe let's say the, the Mets don't get Zobrist, then maybe that's where he goes. Sure. So I'm going to say the Mets, the Mets or the White Sox, well, and maybe they play them off one another. But yeah, they, both of those teams need to have a second baseman. Because when you, yeah, when you look at the White Sox, they made a lot of noise last year. Again, I think we might have been a year early on them. Uh, for those who really liked them, they shouldn't stop this year and regress and start selling pieces off. They should go out again and, and fill those holes. And second base was a big one. You get. A true, you know, quote unquote, professional hitter. We all know what that terminology means. I know they're all professionals once they're in the majors, but you guys know what I mean. 
that solid 290 that you can pretty much bank for 500 plus plate appearances as long as he stays healthy. Uh, we'll see how that health holds up. I like that one. All right, Jason, I got to go. Movie starts very soon, so I got to run. Enjoy uh, your concert. I will enjoy my Creed concert with arms wide open. <laughs> we'll talk soon. It won't be next week for sure, but probably a couple weeks after that. Uh, until then, take care, Jason. Bye, bye.